This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic to cosplay to Schitt's Creek to Supernatural and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. We are continuing our celebration of Black History Month and more importantly, we are continuing our celebration of four incredible Black women. And I do want to say, I did decide, I think for every February from now on, we are going to focus on women during this month, on Black women during this month. That made my panelists very happy. So yes, and uh, we already have a couple of people in the works for next. I'm not going to give it away though. It's too it's too far away. I don't want to give it away. I don't want to give it all away. <laughs> but yes, I have decided we will do that. But I have a great panel with me, and because I mentioned on the last one that I'm bad about introducing myself, this is Aaron, your host, Aaron Marlowe the host that's the best host of any podcast anywhere. But I also have two amazing hosts of two other great podcasts that recently merged. Just kidding. They didn't. They didn't. I take that back before Ishelle leaves. Um, but I have Carla from Bedwetter Behead and Ishelle from Liberty <laughs> Well, I think Ishelle is still here. <laughs> she turned off her camera, so now all I see it's is done with Liberty Diner Dish. Um, so yes, I have those two amazing women on. And then I also have the incredible, wonderful Tiff, who has... Sing my praises. Yes. Sing my praises. I love it. Give me more. Feed me. <laughs> who... <laughs> Feed me, Seymour. <laughs> And, you know, little secret here, and my other two panelists don't have to listen to this part if they don't want to, but is Tiff, Tiff has the best taste of most people. Michelle <laughs> has decided to just leave us again. She is like, oh, no. I feel so good right now. Oh, my gosh. I hate to agree with you, Erin, but when you're right, you're right. <laughs> I hate to agree with you, but yes, it's true. Today, we are talking about the incredible actress and director, 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 Regina King. I'm very excited to talk about this amazing artist, this amazing woman. And so I'm going to go over a little bit. If, if you don't know who Regina King is, which I really hope you know who Regina King is, I'd be very surprised if you didn't. But uh, Regina King first gained attention for playing Brenda Jenkins in the television series 227 that, from 1985 to 1990. Her subsequent roles included the film Friday, 
the animated series The Boondocks, and the crime television series Southland. From 2015 to 2017, King starred in the ABC anthology series American Crime, for which she won two Primetime Emmy Awards. And in 2018, she starred in the Netflix miniseries Seven Seconds, for which she won her third Primetime Emmy Award. She starred in Barry Jenkins' film adaptation of the James Baldwin novel If Beale Street Could Talk in 2018, and she won the Academy Award and Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actress. King won her fourth Primetime Emmy Award for starring in the dystopian superhero limited series Watchmen. King has also played supporting roles in the films Boys in the Hood, Poetic Justice, Ray, A Cinderella Story, as well as the comedies Legally Blonde 2, Red, White, and Blonde, and Miss Congeniality 2, Armed and Fabulous. Her other television roles include the drama series The Leftovers and the sitcom The Big Bang Theory. King has directed episodes for several television shows, including Scandal and This Is Us. She has also directed the music video for the 2010 song Finding My Way Back. Uh, Her feature film directorial debut came with the drama One Night in Miami, for which she was nominated for a Golden Globe Award for Best Director and a Directors Guild of America Award for First Time Feature Film. She became only the second black woman to be nominated for a Golden Globe Award for Best Director. Also, The Harder They Fall, which was a Netflix movie, Jerry Maguire, the show The Strain. Also, the show Shameless. So, a bunch of TV shows, too. It's funny because I didn't realize how many TV shows she had done. And I had no, I, I don't know why, but I always kind of just instantly first associate Regina King with movie roles and then TV second. But yeah, of course, Daddy Daycare. And then the brilliant, amazing movie that is Carla's favorite Regina King film, Down to Earth. The absolute best. My husband and I have both agreed that it is almost as good as Newsies. <laughs> almost. It, almost. It's just like, almost. Yes, yes. It's like they're neck and neck. <laughs> so I'm very, very excited to be talking about Regina King today because I think she is one of the best actresses of her generation and one of the best actresses working today. I also think she is an incredibly talented director as well. So I'm very, very excited to be talking about her. So Carla, who, uh, by the way, uh, our Fandom Choice Awards are live this Sunday. You'll find out who won uh, this Sunday, um, the 19th at 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. So Carla, who received an all-time high number since we've been doing this for all of <laughs> one year, 28 Phantom Choice Award nominations. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Yes. So I want to know, what was the first film or TV role that you remember seeing Regina in and that made you a fan? The the first thing, because I grew up watching like a ton of two two seven. Like two two seven is like in my bloodstream. I watched that show so so much. I loved it. You know, every time that that I hear the the theme music for it, I get like super happy because that show brought me a lot of joy. So that was the first time that I saw her. And 
I cannot explain to you. It's almost embarrassing that it was only a few years ago that I realized that the same person who played Brenda played all of these other like huge roles. And I was like, oh, I should have known by the fact that she looks exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like 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 she needed a glow up or like she like changed significantly. She looks exactly the same. So I have no excuse other than my brain works in fascinating ways. <laughs> oh, that's why they look exactly alike. <laughs> now I get it. So weird. I didn't want to be like one of those people who's like kind of racist and be like, oh, you know, she kind of looks like that girl from that show. And it's like, are you just like just looking at two black women and being like, oh, they look the same? No, they're actually the same this time, though. It's okay. And it's not like Regina King has a secret twin. That would be very weird if if she does and I just didn't realize that. That would be super weird, yes. I would be shocked. <laughs> so, Ishelle, what was the role for you? The first one I remember her in, I, I do think it's reruns of 227. Like, I wasn't watching 227 when it was first on. But um, it, when it was on later, I do remember watching reruns of, of 227. So I think that's the first time that I remember seeing her. I remember her face, but I think the first time that I was like, oh, she can act was probably um, now she had done great movies before this, but it's just I had not seen them. But I watched um, Ray a couple years after it came out. And then I was like, oh, she's incredible. Like she's she's really, really good. And um, so I think that's the first one that I was like super impressed by her. I'd seen her in a couple other things, but that was the first one that I was really impressed and saw the depth and gravity of what she, and I guess, gravitas of what she could do. Yeah. Tiff? I am going to echo my panelists together. Uh, yes, 227, and I did watch it because I'm significantly older than Michelle. So I did watch it in real time. <laughs> and I have to say, um, Brenda was... Um, she was one of my favorite. She was half of one of my very earliest ships, uh, Brenda and uh, Calvin, and who uh, <laughs> played the downstairs neighbor's grandson. They were, yeah, they were my little, my little heart <laughs> when I was like seven. <laughs> I loved, I loved their little relationship. I thought it was cute because it was very, it was very innocent. And, um, you know, I mean, this is, we're talking about 80s TV, so very very chaste you know nothing nothing like you were saying like on 90210 or anything like that so <laughs> it was nice he was very respectful with her very respectful with her parents and and always uh they just had a really nice like they had a nice friendship that turned into like a relationship later on yeah but i mean 227 that was that's what i that's what i remember regina from uh i remember we, one episode she got a job at a fast food restaurant and she she was so shocked because one of her coworkers didn't know basic math like the cash register had gone out and she was trying to figure out how to make change for somebody and she couldn't and Brenda was like <gasps> it was kind of like you know one of those tv movie of the week type deals like you know where there's always a lesson learned so yeah I remember that episode though <laughs> very special 227 yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes tonight on a very special 227 episode <laughs> what you learned today this is the special lesson you're supposed to be learning today 
Yeah, I would say, you know, I was trying to think about this because I wasn't, I wasn't sure it was between a few things, but I would say Poetic Justice was was the one in Carla and I talked a lot about that film when we talked about Janet Jackson last year. So go back and listen to that. We had a really interesting discussion about that film. And also that episode is great too, if I do say so myself. But yeah, so I would say that was the first one that really stuck out. And I think it was also just too because of the character she was playing. But, you know, the the thing that really, really, really hit me on that is that this is a movie where, yes, a lot of your attention is definitely on Janet Jackson's character and on Tupac Shakur's character as well. But she stood out big time, too. And I loved her chemistry with Janet Jackson in particular and the way they interacted on screen as well. So that was that was what what stuck out to me about her was um, just how even though your eyes and your attention were on primarily the two main people and the two the love story going on there, um, you couldn't help but also when she was on camera, be instantly drawn to her. So and I and I think that's the case with her in general, with anything she's doing. If she's in a small little supporting part, that happens as well, you know. So I think, you know, like Every scene she's in in Jerry Maguire, you you do notice her. You're instantly drawn to her. Every scene she's in in, in Ray, and and that you're also and she doesn't come in in Ray until like I think it's like an hour or so into the or even more than that into the movie, but you're still instantly drawn to her as well. So. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so let's talk first about her television career, since, like I said, that's uh, lots of television. She's done tons of television roles. So, Carla, what are your overall thoughts on that? And then the dreaded three favorite (laughs) roles or episodes or moments. (laughs) Yes, the how dare you, Erin, moments. Overall, here's the thing with, with Regina King, and this is why... She is in my top two of my favorite acting Reginas of all time. She is somebody who has such range, like such emotional depth and such range because she can play characters who are absolutely devastating to watch. And she can also play like the really light fair really well. I mean, like, the fact that I could stomach down to earth for more than 10 seconds is because I like watching her, even though her character is absolutely ridiculous. Like she's looking at this like old white man and being like, Oh, I see something else inside of you. Like, mm, are you, did you like swallow Chris Rock? Is that why I kind of like you? Like, I don't understand. Oh, it made no sense, but she's still like very, very likable and very watchable like that, that movie jesus christ like why did i choose to watch it of all the things i could have watched i know this week and i choose down to earth my god what was i thinking i think it's because i love head of state and i was just hoping for the best but 
let's not talk about my horrible taste in films. In her career trajectory, just generally, she has played pretty much every kind of woman you can play. She has, and I mean, it also starts with the fact that she started off young. And not only young, but surrounded by incredibly talented people. The cast of 227, could you ask for a better course in acting than to be surrounded by Marla Gibbs and Jack A. Harry, who like, you know, yeah, she's over the top and everything, but she's over the top in a likable way. You know, she there were so many amazing actors on that show. And she has said that uh, that she owes a lot to to being in that environment, and I, I think that that really the fact that she was around so many adults really kind of shows in her later work because she's so much more grounded than I think a lot of other young actors are, and she's a lot more present in her performances. So if I had to pick my top three. Of course, the the first role of hers that sticks with me is going to be Brenda on two two seven. I loved her. I loved when the show was was um, out and when I was watching it and watching reruns for like decades. She, I, I didn't, I, I didn't like look up to her as a teenager. I didn't think, oh, that's the kind of teenager I want to be because she was just so silly. She was like the. <laughs> such a tv teenager like very self-involved very like one my one of my favorite episodes is the one where they break into the apartment and they steal everything and she's just in the kitchen on the phone completely oblivious to everything her parents are down at a neighborhood watch meeting of all things <laughs> and then they come back up to the apartment and they're like oh my god we've been robbed and then they hear brenda in the kitchen they're like brenda are you okay she's like yeah why <laughs> i guess she's so clueless but the thing is, you know, like the way that the Regina King plays her is it's not just cluelessness. She's she's just like innocent and naive. She's, you know, living kind of her best life, just being the teenager that she wants to be. And I, I love that for her. Another role. Okay, so I watched Seven Seconds and I'm very glad that I watched the show early in my preparation for this for this podcast episode because it is such a heavy heavy show and I absolutely loved it everybody's performances were just so good and she really stands out among them one thing with her is that she has a lot of passion like a lot of passion and it comes through I I think that it comes through a lot when she's playing parents And in this case, she is the parent of a child who was hit by a cop and left for dead. And then there's a whole conspiracy to keep his his um, this cop's involvement in his death under wraps. And she is she goes through so much in this show. She goes through like 90 stages of grief, all of it in a. in a very unwelcoming setting for her character because not only does she not have the support of the police department who is too busy trying to cover up her son's murder but she also doesn't have her husband his support because he is very devoted to 
work in church and doesn't really see her. So you have this person who is a grieving mother, a lonely woman, like a, it's not even like she's an angry vigilante. She's just a person who's demanding justice. And she goes about it in the only way that she can, because when you don't have the support of the people who should be supporting you, like, what do you do? And she does the best that she can with the resources that, that she has. And she goes down a very dark path. But I think all throughout, she's very believable. and She's very understandable. Because there wasn't really a moment where I was like, oh, I could never imagine doing that. She makes it so that it's easy to understand why somebody would do the things that she does. And the, the last role that I'll mention is Angela Ebar on um, The Watchmen. Now, I didn't get to watch the entirety of The Watchmen because instead I started watching American Crime Story, which is a mistake because I should, just, I should have just started watching The Watchmen because that's a much better show for me. Like that definitely is more of my alley. And also I think that it highlights her 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 work so much better. She's, oh my gosh, like one of my favorite uh, Regina King acting styles is like mercenary, like bad mother father Regina King, where she's like physically beating them. She's she's not a very like tall woman, and yet yeah. she, I can tell that she can pack a punch. Like I'm scared. Like oh my gosh, when she throws a punch, it is it's there. It's gonna connect. Like you can tell that that she she has like a raw action figure talent in there like she could definitely do some like butt kicking action stuff and she has and this is like one of them and oh my gosh I love everything about her performance like just it, it, from the pilot and I promise I got past the pilot but the pilot is that the, the reason that I'm pointing it out is because you get like all of the things that this role does where she is you know kind of trying to be a nurturing person and a very you know family-oriented person and then also secretly like going off and hunting down people and putting them in the trunk of her car and intimidating them into confessing stuff and then kind of being like a leader and just you know like you don't want to to get in her way kind of person and I absolutely love that I love that I wish that there were more roles for for women in general to have that kind of you know bamfness out there but i think a lot of the times when um when those kinds of roles get assigned to black women they are done in a way where it's like i don't know it's like the muscle without depth but she definitely has depth and she's just amazing amazing and i just i i i want to take sparring classes with her like it's okay if she beats me up a little i'm all right <laughs> regina can you figure out there if you want to spar with me a little bit <laughs> and Ishelle, and i forgot to say you know it's fine if people choose the same exact ones because we could all have different reasons so yeah so well i'm glad you said that because a lot of mine mary carlos but the other thing is i have not watched a lot of her on TV. And so uh, I've watched you know, a lot of her films, but I've not seen a lot of her on, on TV. And so when I knew we were doing this, I tried to like, okay, let me find a couple things that I can, that I can watch. I do have to say 227 just because there's a lot of nostalgia for that one um, with that one for me. 
and just that whole teenager thing. I, I really did like her in in that role. And then I'll, I think, okay, so I have not, I did not stick with the show. I just watched a couple episodes because I was interested to see her in this type of role. And that was, um, I think it was Southland where she's a detective. And I didn't stick with it. So I don't know if it crashes and burns. <laughs> I don't know, but I did like seeing her in a role where she's tough because it's the job or she's like, you know, she's going around just the way that she kind of conducts herself in that, in that detective role. I really like to see, to see that because I had seen her, what I had been watching in order to prepare. It was, she was the mother who had lost something or she was the, you know, she's this woman trying to fight for her voice or fight for her. And so I saw a lot of that. And so I just wanted to see her be tough just because that was the job, not because life keeps beating her up because she's a black woman. And so I really just kind of want to sit with that. And so I, I did enjoy, enjoy seeing that with her. And then I also have to say her role in, in seven seconds, I made the horrible mistake of watching seven seconds. And if Bill Street could talk in like a back to back, that was not a good <laughs> we'll talk more about that later that was not a good choice but I did um really 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 like her in that she adds these layers to grief to anger to faith in doubting that faith and questioning that that higher power that she was trying to you know put her hope and trust in and I like the way that she explored all of that all those different all those different layers and those emotions over the course of those uh those episodes but yeah that was i to t- I want to tell everyone, do not do that. Don't watch seven <laughs> seconds. And if Bill Street could talk together, don't don't do that. <laughs> but those are my TV things for her. Yeah, yeah. And then definitely don't also watch like the first season of American Crime after that too, because then that'd be like, I, or, or any of the seasons of American Crime, frankly, too after that as well. So yeah. So Tiff. Even though 227 has, like Michelle said, a ton of nostalgia for me, that's actually not one of my favorite roles for her. I, I love her. Don't get me wrong. She was adorable as a teenager. And she, you know, I, I mean, she was on there for five seasons. So you can see how she evolves from, you know, this younger teen to, you know, a young woman. And it's a great thing to see. Um, I think, though, that as she gets into these dramatic roles later on, that's where, like, I mean, this kind of boom, pow, pop starts to really show for her. She has uh, a real, real eclectic mix of of TV under her belt. And it's it's surprising. I know, like, Michelle mentioned that she, you know, when you think of Regina King, it's like, okay, you think of film automatically, right? Oh, so she's, a, she's a film actress. And it's like, well, if you look at her IMDb, she's like, she's a television actress, you know, I mean, she, she's like, her stuff is almost split, like almost right down the middle. It's, it's very, very interesting to see how she's chosen these roles because a lot of these actors who are film actors, they don't sign on for television shows that they know are going to have a ton of seasons. And she has not been scared to do that. She has jumped in feet first in doing so. So I will say, I'm glad Michelle mentioned Southland. I loved that show. I watched it from the pilot until it got canceled. It started on uh, NBC. NBC ran one season. They picked it up for a second season and then they canceled it. And then it sat for like a year. They had like seven, they had an additional six episodes in the can, but it just sat because it had nowhere to go. And then TNT picked it up. 
TNT ran the last four seasons of it. And her character, her name is Detective Lydia Adams. It's really an interesting study in how in the true work-life balance, because here's a woman, a black woman who is a detective, who is also dealing with living with her mother, who is, you know, has some health challenges and things like that. So trying to 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 deal with this like very, very differentiating box of things, of stuff, you know, between what she has to do on the job and then what she has to do at home and how to integrate the two. So it's a really, really it's an interesting case study in how to and how to just live day by day. And I think my secondary is, and these are in no particular order, uh, but definitely Watchmen, Angela Abar slash Sister Knight, which awesome costume. If anybody is thinking about an easy costume to do for, for Halloween, Sister Knight is an easy one to do. Uh, that is, Watchmen is, a, is just a, a punch in the gut anyway. And it was amazing to me when so many people didn't know about, you know, the Tulsa race massacre anyway. And then when people are like, did this really happen? I'm like, yeah, it really happened. Yeah. The U.S. really dropped bombs on <laughs> their own people. They did read about it. But that that character is so there's a, a point in uh, coming toward the end. I think it's probably maybe the seventh episode where she's got to wake Cal up because he's <laughs> he's hidden his um his true self has been buried so deeply it's 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 inside of him if you watch if you see Watchmen, you don't know you'll know what i'm talking about but if you haven't seen it, it sounds like i'm talking like complete gibberish but he has been hypnotized to just be this regular you know husband father regular schmegular dude right but he's at, he's actually a superhero with superpowers and she has to wake him up because yeah, because it's just going down and she slaps the mess out of him. Now she's slapping that Regina King, as we said, she's a she's a petite woman. She's like five foot three and she's she's very, you know, she looks dainty when you look at her. And Cal, her husband, Cal Abrahams, is played by Yahya Abdul Mateen the second. Yahya Abdul Mateen is like a giant dude. He's like six four and you know, quite built. <laughs> She slaps the mess out of him. Like his head, like, and I don't know if this was, you know, like an action slap or if it was like, um, you know, one of those choreographed things where he just, you know, turns his head, but it looked real and his whole body moved. <laughs> awesome moment though. So if you get a chance, watch that. Background noise, I'm sorry. That's the three-year-old running around <laughs> like a chicken with her head cut off. I apologize. <laughs> I think I've been on enough where your where your listeners know, yeah, Aaron. It's fine. <laughs> I've apologized when she was 12 months, when she was 18 months. It just keeps on going. <laughs> uh, um, and then a third role is actually, and I did this on purpose because then I get to pick three characters <laughs> in one show <laughs> on American Crime. So on her on the first season, she plays uh, a character called Aaliyah Shadid, and her she is the sister of the man Carter who was accused of killing the guy who was the you know the the crime of that of that particular season. So she is um, she's a black Muslim woman. She is very they call they say she's militant. I wouldn't say she's militant. I think she's just, um, she's powerful. 
She knows what she wants. She knows what she's trying to do, which is keep her brother out of jail, keep her brother from being um, uh, for being convicted of a crime he didn't commit. So uh, really powerful, really powerful performance. Really interesting because you don't see a lot of Black Muslim women uh, as characters on any show out there. So really interesting. Uh, second season, she played a character named Terry Lacroix. And that one was also interesting because that was based off of a, um, a crime that happens at this party with a bunch of kids of which her son is one of the star players at the high school. And they are very wealthy, <laughs> very, very wealthy, very like society driven. And it just goes to show you on that one, there's that dichotomy between how much wealth can negate blackness and answer is it doesn't <laughs> it, seems, it does not it doesn't it doesn't matter how rich you are they're still going to see them and her and her son as black uh and then third season she plays uh, a character named kamara walters who is a social worker who is completely done with the system she is she's tired she knows the system doesn't work but she still has to talk it up like it works and it's a it's a it's interesting to see her trying to basically almost lie to herself because that's what she's doing like on a daily basis so that's why i chose american crime because yeah you get three characters in one <laughs> yeah spoiler i did the same thing <laughs> for the same exact reason <laughs> great minds think alike <laughs> but yeah yeah i think you know i do think that's so interesting that you know, for most of us, we automatically think of Regina King as a film star when she's done so much television and continues to do so much television. So basically, she she's she's both, you know, equally. I think you would definitely say equally, 50-50. And, you know, television, you know, presents a different kind of beast there where you have to continue interest in the characters and i mean granted some of the like seven seconds is just the 10 episodes and american crime she's playing a different character each season but still you have to maintain that interest in that character and that character's evolution and i think even though now i don't think so much but it used to be that film stars looked down on television and thought of it as less prestigious but i think that's changed a lot because i think you know, people have taken a lot more risks and a lot more chances with television and which is so amazing to see because you can tell so many great stories and have a longer time to tell them and a longer t length of time to get to know the characters you're following as well. So, yeah. So I I am going <laughs> to third second, third quadruple, but the seven seconds, I'm going to mention seven seconds again, which is a very, 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 very difficult show to watch. It's very emotional, very heavy. There's like really not a single really happy moment pretty much in the whole movie. I mean, a movie, the whole show. And everybody is outstanding. Like Carla said, everybody. I, I don't think there's a single bad performance in that. But Regina King does stand out a lot. And you also watch her going through not only these st the stages of grief and also being so fixed, you know, so her one focus is finding who did this, who killed her son. 
and making sure they're brought to justice and not caring at all about anything else about herself or her. I mean, she starts sleeping in her car and all of that. And um, when she figures out who was driving the car, or she's pretty positive at that point, you know, she kind of basically stakes out that house. She has no fear anymore. She has no, no, she's not at all thinking about her safety or her well-being because she doesn't care. She has tragically lost her son and she wants people to pay for that. She wants justice. And she also wants justice because she doesn't want people to forget her son and to forget what happened to him and doesn't want it brushed aside. And, you know, her marriage is falling apart because her husband is basically trying to come to terms with what that means with his faith and how he can reconcile his faith with the loss of his son and then focusing so much on that. And then, of course, when um, he finds out later that his son was having a relationship with another boy and so was probably, I mean, we don't know the full extent of his sexuality, so I don't want to completely say, but, you know, his son might have been gay. And so then his father dealing with that and um, and then the mom eventually finding that out too. And so learning stuff about your son that you didn't know as well. So I think she's also dealing with that, like realizing, I wish I could have gotten to know my son completely. And so grieving that as well. So it's just a really complex, uh, amazing performance. Just amazing. Just absolutely just fantastic uh, you will feel every emotion that she is feeling. That's another thing that she does so well as you are taken into that character and you can feel every emotion um, that they are feeling. And that's true for every character she ever plays. So that's an amazing gift. And then, yes, I will second Watchmen as well. Yeah, it is because, you know, that's that's what's so incredible is in that, you know, that she is a petite woman, but she doesn't seem like a petite woman <laughs> at all. Like, like you forget that, you know, that's pretty amazing to be able to do that. And that's not just um, the way you hold yourself physical, physically. You also have to do that with the character as well. So, yes. And and that was a very important show, 10 billion times better than the movie ever was. <laughs> so, uh, yes. So highly, highly recommend that one. I wish, I really wish we could have gotten more of that and more of that show, I think. It would have been interesting to um, delve into the characters deeper. And the show was trying to say so much as well and do so much. And it um, had a, it, it just was a very powerful show, I think. And I just wish it could have continued on. So, yeah. And then, like I said, I also chose American Crime because <laughs> you can let the three characters in, <laughs> which is cheating. I realized this. I realized I broke my rule, but hey. It is not cheating. <laughs> <laughs> it is circumventing the system. Not cheating. I, you know, it's funny because when this show was first on, I watched just the first two seasons. And then for some reason, I'd never watched the third season until I actually just finished it um, Friday. And I watched, I rewatched the first two and then watched the third season within the past like three days. I just, I was watching it while I was working, just binging it. And I have to say, I want to say, watching that show like that really, really fucks up your brain and mind and very depressing. So <laughs> warning on that. But she is fantastic in all those roles. They're all very, very different characters. 
I'll just shine a light on a, a couple of moments in the first and spoilers. I'm going to be spoiling something big here. So in the very first season, her brother ends up being murdered, being shot and dies. And there's a scene where she's at the hospital. I believe it's at the hospital. And then the mother of um, the wife of the man who was who the original crime that the show this the season started out with she's in the hospital too and they see each other and it's there's really not any words exchanged at all and regina king looks at her and they just kind of hug and embrace and it's these it's just such a beautiful moment because it's like two people grieving and for a moment forgetting that maybe they were supposed to not like each other for a moment there and coming together in that grief and just watching Regina King's eyes there because she's feeling so much guilt over what happened to her brother and you see that in the eyes and she doesn't say anything but you see that and she just wants someone else to comfort her and she also wants to comfort somebody else because I think that is a way of her helping herself as well. And I just think it's a really, really beautiful understated moment. And in just a, like, it's like maybe like five seconds long. And in that five seconds, you get everything that character is going through. So, yeah. And then the other one, the other moment I'll point to is in the third season, you know, she, you'd been following also because she helps a lot of teenagers who have been sex trafficked and all of that. And she's also been trying to have a baby through that whole one too. And that's a really big thing that she's dealing with and struggling with. And the fact that it's been so hard for her and then also having to see all of these kids thrown away by the system and treated like garbage and, um, you know, being exhausted by that and being exhausted by what the system does and um, one of these girls, spoiler again, um, she's murdered in that scene is the, one of the creepiest scenes I've ever. Oh, it's so creepy. So unsettling. And she goes to look at the body in the morgue. And she does. And the girl was pregnant, too. And she goes and touches the belly, touches her belly and it's just like this again it's a brief like five seconds but there's so much in that of the system have failed her this baby is dead too this unborn baby is dead was murdered as well and just that grief of we failed another one and also i think there was also some you know because of because she took her job so seriously and really wanted to do a good job and was a was really good at her job and really cared and loved these kids. There was also this sense of um, grief there that she couldn't save this girl that she really wanted to save. Um, so yeah, that's, it's just a powerful, powerful moment in that one too. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to the great pop culture debate back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to greatpopculturedebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.
Okay, so let's move on to her film work. So, Carla. So, Erin, I think that well, one thing with with her and that's remarkable in her tra- trajectory is that in this more recent part of it, she has been able to guide a lot more of um, of the stories that she tells. Because I think especially like in the 90s and early 2000s when she's doing the daddy daycares and the down to earth, those are kind of transition roles because she starts out as a teenager in 227, transitions very successfully into grown-up roles, which not a lot of um, child actors are given that um, that grace to actually age where they don't get that where they don't have to be pigeonholed into this particular personality but she starts getting kind of typecast as hood girl you know like she you know, in um poetic justice and in boys in the hood you start to see like in in those roles and in a couple of others a, a bit of um of an overlap in the the expectations of her as, as an actor and i think that uh, it's in part because of the limited imaginations of the American public to perceive black women as anything other than what you think black women should be. And certainly um, media helps with those perceptions by greenlighting these performances, because it's not always about the creation of the performances. You can create as many performances as you, as you want, as many characters as you want, but it's really who's greenlighting these these films when she gets into that that middle section when when she when she is um the you know supportive spouse number two in in a film as you know she she's a brilliant actor and it's not like she ever phones it in she never phones it in she's always so good and everything but it's it's at a point where it must be so grating on her to have such greatness and to have it dimmed so hard. So I think when she starts to get more recognition and more agency in her own career, it's the, the roles that she starts to take and and help create and bring to life are very different from anything that she had done prior to that. So you have a lot more roles where the focus is on on the black experience so to say where uh you know you, you have everything from if beale street could talk to seven seconds to you know to the watchman just all of these these kinds of roles that are more intentional i guess is the word more intentional in what she wants people to see and understand about her as a black woman and at the same time it's not she's not pigeonhole pigeonholing herself by any means because she has like a lot of other things that she does as well but she doesn't do it because it's a stereotype or because it's a convenient cage to be put in but because i think she's very cognizant of her power and what that can do for the visibility of black women and of the of of um of what it means to be black in the United States. So one of the the first 
roles were, you know, and, and we talked about this, like you said, last year on, on the Janet Jackson episode, Aisha on Poetic Justice. You know, like, no disrespect to Janet Jackson, but she was, you know, she was pretty good, but Regina King really kind of steals the show in that movie. And this is at the point where she's like, where Regina King is being cast a lot as a like sassy black friend. But even in those castings, you can still see that there is like so much more depth in this in this actress. And her eyes are just she she's one of these unbelievably gifted people who can tell so much of the story with their eyes and just she doesn't have to make very big facial expressions or to emote hugely. She can just change a look a tiny bit and you're seeing a whole world of, you know, joy, bewilderment, anger, grief, whatever the role calls for. She does that and then makes it even more compelling without doing a whole hell of a lot physically and i love that about her and, and it, it's you know it's there with her from very early on and that's that that um very grounded presence that i was talking about earlier the next one that i'll talk about is sharon rivers on if beale street could talk which is in her more intentional era as a black woman who is very well regarded and very much in the spotlight the whole movie is so heartbreaking. And yes, like Ishelle, I made the mistake of watching this in seven seconds back to back. I will never, ever, ever <laughs> do something like that again because I was just a devastated mess for a long while after that. But Sharon Rivers, I think, was, um, I think one of the reasons she's, she, for which Regina King is so lauded for this character is that she's a very interesting type of mother because in, in the setting of this movie you know this is this isn't quote-unquote modern times you know like this is pre-cell phones and selfies and texting your mom but so y- you think that there are going to be certain attitudes about her daughter coming home pregnant and she in this character she knows what she needs to do she kind of sees the big picture before anybody else she sees okay this is what we have to do to announce it to your to your father and to your sister how we have to break it to um to your boyfriend's parents we will stand beside you no matter what because you know we care about you this is our this is my grandchild this is this awful woman's grandchild as well even though she acts so horrible doesn't deserve to bring babies any gifts you know she should be like banned from from the kindergarten graduation like oh sorry other grandma if that's even your real name (laughs) which is not i'm sure she has a a name that is not other grandma but that's the title she gets from me and in all of this the the awful thing that's really the subject of of this film which is that her daughter's boyfriend is locked up for being after being accused of a rape that he didn't commit and because she is this kind of mother who is all of her actions are informed by a deep love and a deep trust in things working out 
she goes as far as traveling to Puerto Rico to try to to convince this woman to because the woman like just fled to Puerto Rico and left the accusation hanging. Um, she goes to find her to try to convince her to come back, and I think that she is perplexed at the fact that this fellow mother is denying a child a chance to grow up with their father you know even though like her, the, this the accuser's husband ran out on her so it's like this this thing where Sharon's like well of course once I just you know all I have to do is speak to her and she will come around she'll understand that you know we don't want another child growing up without their father when they could when the father could be around and, and I think that that the way that Regina King plays her it doesn't feel like because there's a point at which um the accuser is having like a a probable like panic attack or anxiety attack and Sharon doesn't back down even though at that point she she should but because you're so invested in her character you understand why she doesn't and that's the thing with Regina King is that even when her characters do something that's kind of questionable where objectively you think this is not the, the right way to go about things you believe in the character because of the way that it's being played and you believe in their actions and motivations which is you know it's a it's a real huge gift for a performer to make somebody so sympathetic when they're doing something so kind of gross you know and the third character that i'll mention is uh, trudy smith on the heart of they fall this is one of the last things that i watched because i was like i need something that's just fun <laughs> um and this movie is oh my gosh it's great for a whole host of reasons not the least of which is that they bring all of these real life black figures of of um western history who are often either whitewashed like bass reeves is um the lone ranger or just you don't really hear about them even though they're just as real as billy the kid or other white western types people whatever and they put them all into this big standoff the, these face-offs these amazing duels and uh situations yeah like the gunslinging you know busting into the saloon like i'm here with my guns yeah <laughs> tip is doing like the perfect walking into a saloon like yes howdy partner <laughs> howdy partner i'm here to murder somebody from your town would you please serve me an alcoholic <laughs> beverage before i do so it will only strengthen my aim and absolutely not wreck anything in my plans that i'm telling you out loud and that everybody <laughs> apparently knows um but trudy smith is fearsome she is so terrifying and i was watching it with, with my husband and first of all he is so in love with this movie this this was definitely not my first time watching this movie i've watched it a few times but this is my first time watching it with him he had never watched it before and he was just like he, he won't stop talking about it and the thing with my husband is that like, he already doesn't stop talking in general but when you give him something that he likes, he won't stop talking about that. So it's like a lot of talking and a lot of talking about the one thing. So I've had a lot of chance, a lot of, of time to think about this. And to say that that uh, Trudy is incredibly competent. She is so skilled. And this whole thing where like 
Mary walks into town to like, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna walk into this town and be like, huh, if I walk in in plain sight, they won't understand why. And like, Trudy's too smart for that. Like, what were you thinking? Like, honestly, like, I, I think watching this movie, I'm like, this is all Mary's fault. <laughs> if Mary had just like stayed put and like, you know, gone about things differently. <laughs> um, but anyway, we're not here to talk about Mary's mistakes in this movie that fictionalizes the the stories of these real people because that's a whole other podcast but um again this is a, a role where regina king gets to flex her i'm a tiny woman but i have six six foot five energy the way that she goes at zazzy beats oh my gosh like i could feel the punch across the screen i was like oh i think that hurt my jaw you know, like, oh, I'm so, she, she's, okay. And um, there are a lot of, of shows and movies where smaller women have to attack bigger people. And there's this really cool move where they kind of jump to gain momentum and then punch either straight or, or punch down as they're coming down to use that momentum with them. And the fact that she doesn't even do that and it's still looks so painful like how is anybody still walking after that beat down how and from, from and even from like the moment that you see her on screen you know that she's not somebody that you want to mess with nobody messes with truth with trudy like absolutely nobody and anybody who does is a fool and she quickly shows them that they should know better and there's not a point in this film where where she is uh, treated as inferior for being a, a woman and I love that about this movie that Mary and Trudy are treated as equals in the guns lingon west where they are doing <laughs> <laughs> the walk again and I love it <laughs> they're 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 so scary and like they own saloons and they get to like boss people around because they're both like like the, the bosses of where they are and people listen to them and oh i love her and it's also like uh the 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 terror of like i would never want to come up against somebody who is that powerful because like you you can basically feel that power just through the screen and again i have an hmo so i don't think it's advisable for me to get into a fight with somebody with that much power coming through them. <laughs> Trudy yeah. scares me. Yes. <laughs> Isha. Okay, I had to take my headphones off for a minute because I'm in the middle, like almost to the middle of Harder They Fall for the first time. And so I was like, I don't want to know why spoilers. So I had to like... I, took I didn't off. spoil anything. I promise. Okay, well, I, okay, well I, I'm going to take your word for it. But I was like, mm, just to be safe, let me pull them back. Okay, so I'm I'm going to cheat here because that could be in my top three of her films, but I'm not done with it yet. But I get to honorable mention it <laughs> by saying I'm still watching it. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go with, and again, not having seen her whole thing, um, but all, all of her movies, but I'm going to go with uh, Poetic Justice, one, because like I said, my earliest memory of her was as Brenda in 227, and then to see her in Poetic Justice, she did make that transition well, that, that transition that Carla mentioned, that 
from a child actor into this adult role. And that can seem like a just, you know, round the way girl where she's just, you know, drunk and whatever. But it was still her being an adult and her being a grown woman. And, and even in that role, she's got she's got a drinking problem. She's got a toxic relationship. She's got this friend. And that relationship is kind of changing because of the different things going on in their lives. And so um, I really felt like even though it's not like the grandest role that they could have given to her, I really felt like she did a good job with it. And um, it was just the first time seeing her in this this adult kind of setting, I'll say. So that one is always going to stand out for me. And I think that's just a classic movie anyway. And then I will say, okay, not because this is like necessarily a great movie or like a stellar role, but because she is who I remember most from this movie uh, Jerry Maguire will be will be the other one because I, you know, there's the story with Jerry and uh, the whole you had me a hello. Like, there's that story, but I wanted to I would have watched five more hours of Regina King's character and and her husband Cuba getting drink. Like I would have watched more of that. I cared more about that, and they were just side characters, but. Uh, she stands out to me in that movie. When I think of that movie, she is who I think of first. And then I'm going to say if Bill Street could talk would be, um, and these aren't ranked in order, but I'm going to put that in my top three too, because what I saw in of her in that one is she really understood her character and she really understood her role. And I mean, she's in this movie there's some other heavy hitters in there, but there are a lot of like newcomers, newish comers in that movie as well. And she could have approached that as like, I'm Regina King. I've been doing this for decades, but she understood what was most important in every scene that she was in. And sometimes it wasn't her. It wasn't what she had to say. Uh, and so she really just handled that with grace. So as an actor, I feel like she showed a lot of restraint, but also just the way that that character was written, that mother was showing a lot of restraint because she never took over her daughter's life. She was never like, listen, this is what you're going to do. This is what we got to like, this is how we're going to handle this. Like she let her have her own agency as her daughter, you know, character to character, but also just her as an actress, she let that other, you know, her co-star have her space there and I just feel like that is the sign of a great a great great actor who knows and I don't know if this is the thing but there's a difference in stealing a scene and occupying a scene and she never yep. stole the scene but she always occupied every scene that she was in you knew she was there and present but she didn't steal it when it wasn't hers to steal and I think about that scene when she does go and talk to the guy and she's at that table and she's trying to show all this restraint but she's like we have to get her to come back and tell her story, but she's she's there's so much restraint in her character and just in her as an actress in that in that scene. And I just felt like that was a beautiful picture of kind of everything that she represents in in that role. And um, this was my first time to see it, and yeah, I was just kind of that stuck with me, and I was just kind of blown away by by seeing her in that. And then same as Carla, I did kind of round out my watch with Harder <laughs> They Fall because I was like, we gotta. We got to get things back together. You know, it was a tough week. So uh, related, but not related. We lost my brother to gun violence some years ago. Not from a police officer, but still senseless gun violence that he was not involved in. It wasn't like a, you know, you say that and everybody thinks like, oh, was it a gang situation? Like, not at all. But, um, and so just having seven seconds and then having if Bill Street could talk and then having all of that happen in one week, it was an emotional <laughs> 
week <laughs> for for me. Um, but yeah, uh, even with all of that and just seeing those performances from her that were so like they sucked you in and they felt so real, that just kind of heightened everything that I was feeling in response to seeing her in these roles. But um, yeah, those are the three that I'm going to go with for her. Bet, yes. And um, yeah. And sorry for your loss too. So yeah. And then I didn't want to interrupt you, but I wanted to ask you, so in Jerry Maguire, did she have you at hello? She did have me at hello. Now uh, Tom Cruise did not, but she did. <laughs> I just, I had to. I had yeah, to. yeah, she did. She had me. I was like, I don't even think, I don't even know if that's the first word she says, but I <laughs> can't remember, but I couldn't, I couldn't resist. Yeah. <laughs> and Tiff? So I'm going to, uh, I completely agree with what um, Carla mentioned about how the first part of her film career is this almost pigeonhole of her, like Michelle mentioned, as that, you know, kind of like around the way girl, this <laughs> very uh, girl from the streets, girl, you know, girl from the hood, very uh, sassy black friend <laughs> type of uh, type of character, of which she played beautifully because she's Regina the King and she can do whatever she wants, however she wants. Um, but it's beautiful to see how she stretches and and stretches herself to the limit in terms of what she can do physically, what she can do emotionally, psychologically on screen. And you see that as the 90s turn into the 00s, turn into 2010s and so on and so forth. Um, I'm gonna pull up a first one where she was where she was in her wife of the main character phase. And that was uh, In Me of the State where she played Carla. <laughs> Carla Dean, wife <laughs> of Will Smith's character, Robert. And it's not a huge role, but because it's such a thriller, because, you know, hello, Robert has just gotten like doxxed to within an inch of his life and he's literally running for his life and he's trying to be all secretive and, and hiding things from her, but she's smart and she knows something is going on. So she's trying to not only find out what's happening with him, but also trying to protect their family and you know their son together and it's like i said it's not a huge role but she brings she's funny and she's um and she's tough and she knows how to go to bat for her dude and she knows how to go to bat for herself and i love that i love that movie it is so so good i just absolutely love it um and I'm going to say, yes, I'm we're we're three for three, and I'm going to bring up if Diddle Street could talk. And I love the fact that Carla, you mentioned how everything that she does in this film is from her being a mother and being so filled with love. And it is a hard thing, let me tell you, it is very, very hard for somebody to go uh, play across Ingenue Ellis, who plays Mrs. Hunt. The two of them. <laughs> the scene together is like that is film gold that is cinematic platinum I love that scene I absolutely love it where she is going to not only and I mean and it is a it's a sensitive thing um even you know, obviously not as much today but we're talking about the early 70s and having um you know an unmarried couple young couple having a kid together there's going to be a lot of heightened emotions, especially for a family that is as 
like a woman who is as uber religious as Mrs. Hunt is. But when she makes that, you know, <laughs> she says that she's condemned, you know, when she's condemned herself and, and the baby to, you know, basically to hell, please, she needed to be slapped. She needed to be slapped into next week and into, and into <laughs> the following week after that. And I think that's, you know, when you see like, once again, tiny, powerful Regina King and Sharon Rivers backing up her child in that moment, her grandchild and telling her, you know, telling her, how, how does this even come out of your mouth? How do these words even come out of your mouth? This is a child. This is your grandchild. This is your family. You don't treat family that way. We don't act like this. Everything that she does is from a wealth of care, is from a giant pit of love. That's everything that she does in that film is because of that. And she doesn't have to be. She could be like a Mrs. Hunt, especially when you think about how it's always the girl that gets it the worse than the boy. It always is. It's always the girl's fault. It's always it's always the woman's fault in these situations. You know, oh, I'm playing pregnancy. Oh, that's the girl's fault. It's not the boy's fault. Absolutely not. She trapped him. She tricked him. She blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So that movie, hard to watch, but beautiful performance. Um, and then I'm going to go with, uh, this last one was hard, but I went with Ray. And I went with Ray because her as Margie, that is a, that's a tough role because here she is, she's having to play across. It. I will say this. I don't necessarily like Jamie Foxx's performance in Ray, I feel like it it it's devolved into caricature. <laughs> I thank you. It's there not is. just me, right? I feel like uh-uh, I know. Thank Holy. you, thank you. It was a lot of um, okay. I'm gonna look and I'm going to do exactly what he did, and that's not the way a biopic works. You know, it's the same thing with like why I didn't like Rami Malek and um, what's that movie? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't like him in that, but. Taryn Edgerton in Rocket Man was phenomenal. Phenom- I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. The- we'll talk about that another time, why he was just robbed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was absolutely robbed. So I don't particularly like that. I don't particularly like Ray that much because I don't care for Jamie's performance that much. But I love Regina's performance in that because Margie is one tough cookie. She is a tough, tough cookie because she's like, and it's hard to feel sorry for someone who is a literal, like, you are a home record, girl. You, you, are, you are a side piece. You, you don't have a claim on this man, you know, uh, and he should not have a claim to you. It's hard to feel sorry for her, but you do. You absolutely do. You feel like, oh, he should be paying attention to her. Oh, he should be with her. Um she is she is just like she is a powerhouse she is, and i'm pretty sure that's not regina singing in that or even lip singing but she does she does a good job with it i have to, I have to say she does a good job uh, selling it to me and um it's it's a it's a good it's a really really solid role for her it is it's a solid role i'm glad she does not just like sidekick stuff anymore and she has a lot of you know out front pieces and even when she does you know television she's like very very much in your face but when she does i mean when she does supporting roles she does an awesome job 
she does a really really awesome job but i'm even though i don't like the movie so much i do have to say Regina's performance in ray is chef's kiss yeah i i agree and it, it, it takes so long till you get to her too so it's like so much so much yes and i mean frankly if if there was a performance to award of Jamie Foxx, it definitely should have been collateral. I mean, yeah, because he's fantastic in that movie. But anyway. he and yeah, he and Tom Cruise canceled each other out that year for collateral, and then Jamie canceled himself out. Yeah, with Ray. <laughs> they got yeah. that so wrong that year. They got it completely yeah. wrong. Yeah, but yeah. Jamie needed that for collateral. That that's an awesome movie. That is. Awesome. That's yeah. If you haven't watched that movie, watch that movie. That movie is watch fantastic. It. See, me and Aaron. I know. <laughs> it's true. Yes, I think, you know, going to what, uh, going to, back to what Ishelle said about the, about not stealing scenes, um, all of that. I think what that is, is Regina King is not a selfish actor. So she is doing what she needs to do. She's also giving what she needs to give to help her scene partner. So she is not someone that wants to, you know, be like, oh, I'm just going to be above all of you and better than all of you. No, she is just doing what she needs to do for that role. And if she knows that that's the moment for that character to shine or that character has more to say at that time, she's not going to try and do something where you're not going to um, be paying attention to what that character is doing. And, you know, even though when she's on the screen, you're drawn to her, that's not saying that she's a selfish actor. That's just saying that you're drawn to her because you naturally are, because she's so in the moment and in that character, you know, like we've talked about a lot. And I know Carla mentioned it, the eyes. We talk about eye acting all the time on this podcast. And to me, that is always the sign of, if you know for sure someone is doing a great job you look in the eye and you uh, eyes and you can see the character too because people can do all the different things with their body they can say the words but sometimes you won't see the character in the eye and then it can pull eyes and then it can pull you out of it and never once does that happen with Regina King no matter what the role is or the movie is i mean even in stuff as silly and stupid as a cinderella story even in stuff like that She's still 100% that character. And even though, you know, you don't know, I mean, I have no idea what her thoughts are on that movie. So I guess I shouldn't try and say because it's really not that great a movie. Um, but I mean, even if it's like a role that maybe on this or a screenplay that might not be the best or anything like that, or she might not be being given, written the best, she still is giving so much in it. And she's never once like being lazy or just like, I'm just going to. I'm just going to phone this in. Never once, because you can tell she's passionate about this. She was born to be a performer and she was born to do this. And so that comes through too. So yeah, this was hard for me. And I, I um, but first I'm going to mention, I'm going to go backwards here in time, <laughs> not in time, but you know, in the, <laughs> the times they were, but I'll, I'll start with the harder they fall and, and Trudy Smith. And this was my first time watching this, was for prepping for this. This was the last thing I watched as well. So it was a nice note to end on, I have to say. It was so nice to end on this. I'm glad I didn't end with like, you Isn't know. it nice? It's yeah. so relaxing. It's just lots of people doing murders instead of hunting down a certain person who does a murder. Like, everybody's a murderer here. I Let's know. be Isn't it telling equal? 
Isn't it telling that we're like the most lighthearted one was the one was like bullets flying all the time. That's true. That's true. I know. I'm like, what does that say? But no. Uh, but she she is really terrifying too. I mean, very terrifying. And watching this, I was like, I want to see her more in more roles like this too, where she where you're 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 not sure what she's going to do but she's always in control but you're still not sure what she's going to do and like you would never want to get on her bad side um ever <laughs> because once again she's 53 but like we've mentioned a few times you don't notice that at all she's just super super scary she holds her own once again um, it's so nice whenever you can see female characters that are not just all about, you know, the man or letting the man do something or letting that they're very active and they're participants and they're fully fleshed out and they're not just one dimensional or two dimensional. And this character definitely isn't. I would love to even see like maybe even just like an offshoot of this just with her character, even going from like the beginnings to how she got here like watching delving into that more like i don't know if they would even plan that but like offshoots of this movie covering some of the other characters um individually or differently or not differently but um like in different different um times in their lives and that stuff but i would really love to see more of trudy because she's so terrifying and such an interesting performance to watch. And um, yeah, I think she's just, she's so incredible, especially if you've been watching her in all these roles where she's not like right before that, if you're watching roles where she's very motherly and very caring and very, and on then you're watching this and you're like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> this character would kill those characters. <laughs> Definitely nobody's mother. Definitely not the caring person. There's like no warmth in her. Oh my God. No. Oh, and one thing that I want to say about this role is that I loved that it wasn't a love interest thing. Yes, that too. That made me so happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she got to be just this character. Um, and she got to be frightening and just, and you can tell she's having a blast doing this. I mean, you can tell that she's having so much fun. Um, and then... If Beale Street could talk, we've all mentioned it, uh, but it deserves to be mentioned again. And there's a reason she won the Oscar for this. She deserved it. Um, I think this is a beautiful, beautiful film. It's very heartbreaking, but it's also beautiful to look at just the way it's shot and the way it's done. Um, Barry Jenkins is a genius, just an absolute genius. <laughs> so, yeah, so definitely watch everything he has done before too we carla and i talked about moonlight a couple of years ago too so definitely listen to that episode as well but she is she's so so good in this and she goes through so much and she's a mother but not in a not in a way where it's like that's all she's reduced to it's a big part of who she is but she's also just she really really has um I, that's why I don't want to say she's just a mother, even though I think that's what's so beautiful about her character is she has that motherly stuff where she is um, 
uh, she's just she's someone that that would be like a, she's almost like a surrogate mother in a lot of respects too in this situation, and you know she is fighting for someone else's life and fighting for herself too and fighting for a child's life too in a lot of respects and for their their um, upbringing and for what their life is going to be. And, um, yeah, I think it's just a beautiful, I can't say too bad too much more because I think it was just beautifully said by everybody else, but this is an amazing performance and an amazing film. And she works so well with every single person that she has scenes with and she finds that right balance and that right note and she plays off of everybody so well. And it really is an example of that not being a selfish actor and she and you can also tell and um this is my thought on it i think she also is absorbing whatever anybody else gives her and she's learning from it and growing as an actor and then also i think she responds to it so she's always in character so she's re- reacting to whatever her scene partner is giving her and yes i realize sometimes the way films are filmed you know and the shots and everything like that she might not always be seeing what they're doing but you can – I don't know. She just to me is always there and always in the moment and um, a very, very natural actor. She's never overacting, which, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of people are accused of that. But she never is over overacting at all. She's just always in the moment. And she also gets that um, the camera picks up everything. And so she does so many subtle things in all of her performances. I mean, I talked about some of them with the tele- with television, but she has so many moments that are silent moments and that adds so much to it. So, yeah. And then the last one, and it was hard because I was torn between Ray and then Poetic Justice. And I'm going with Poetic Justice solely for the nostalgia reasons of that being the role where I really, really first took huge notice of Regina King. Once again, go listen to our Janet Jackson episode where we talk about that. But she's just, she's just so good. I mean, I'm looking, I'm, you know, you read, you're listing off these roles and none of these roles, these three roles, they're not at all similar. Nothing about them is similar. Nothing about the performance is similar. So she can do anything. She could do any role you give her, she will be able to do. And it's evidenced early on, you know, you see it early on. She's just as a natural talent. She's soaking it all in. She's just incredible. So yep. So those are, those are my, my three. Um, so I do want to talk about her directing, especially one night in Miami mainly, because I think it's hard to necessarily judge one tele like certain television episodes are not always the easiest to judge with the directing although i think that is a difficult thing to do to come in and step in to an already established thing and direct those but so carla what are your overall thoughts on on how she is as a director as you know i am not the most knowledgeable about directioning so (laughs) except that i know that i would be awesome at it because i love telling people what to do and i love people doing what i tell them what to do so i think that's a perfect fit for me so if regina king wants to take me under her wing and teach me more (laughs) about directing for filmish stuff i would be happy to learn from her and therefore expand my knowledge base on this whole thing all i know is that one night in miami was so good and i really loved the 
that it flows like it, it, it the movie just flows and the conflict the scenes that have the conflicts within them don't they don't feel sometimes when when there's conflict in on a stage thing whatever tv film you name it it feels like okay now we're gonna have a fight let's fight and it doesn't feel like that it feels like there's a natural escalation and there's a natural um boiling point and it doesn't feel like um it doesn't feel disjointed the whole thing does not feel disjointed and that's me and my babble about directing again if anybody wants to take me under the wing so that i can learn more terms like look at the camera like don't look step over camera. your mark speak louder please don't speak so loud please don't look so much like you want to punch this person even though i know you want to i feel like those are very great directions that i could give as a film or television director don't come to me for stage directoring because i'm not interested <laughs> and and carla carla i forgot to add on there so i know you don't you don't know much about the directoring the directoring i like the directoring <laughs> but would you is there a dream project you'd like to see her direct yes i would love for her to do whatever she wants to do because i think she has a great instinct like it, it's it's funny because it's just it's a hilarious thing that i said but also i think that she has like such great instincts and i think that i don't think that this is the the last it, it's like with pokemon this is not her final evolution i think that that there is more to come from her like she might decide to go in a whole different direction than she's done at all in her past work and i'm just very excited to see what she does and for her to teach me what any of it means with directoring Teach me more terms, Regina. Hey, boom operator. Don't that's too boomy. That's hey, too boomy. personal assistant. You need to assist me more, but also less. Find a balance. Strike a balance in your assisting me personally. Actors <laughs> over there. I think that you should act better. We did, by the way, when we covered Denzel Washington, was the first time Carla started talking about being a director. So this has been brewing right. for yes. years. I am absolutely due for somebody to teach me their ways. Please tell me how to be the boss of a set. Oh, my God, please. <laughs> So you can reach out to Carla, or if you want to reach out to Carla through us, go to itsafandomthingpod.com, click the contact us button there, put in the subject, uh, Carla Directoring, and then I will make sure that gets to Carla. Please, yes. <laughs> I just want to learn your ways, Regina King and Denzel Washington and Josh Rubin. A threefer. Uh, <laughs> what an amazing class that would be, holy moly. <laughs> right? You get like 32 genres. Can you imagine how amazing I would be after that? After that, would be unstoppable. I would be invincible. I think this should happen today. Somebody, one of the three, get in touch with the other three of the three and get in touch with me to teach me stuff. Friend of the pod, Josh. Hook Carla up. <laughs> Directoring by Josh Rubin and 14 <laughs> easy installments of nine ninety nine. <laughs> 
hey, we've got a business plan for you there. And then you have to team up with Denzel Washington and Regina King, which I'm sure you'd be more than fine with. So, So, yes, we've got that business plan there. So, (laughs) Ishelle. I also know next to nothing about directioning. (laughs) I don't even know what they do on set. But I also feel like I would be a good director because I already have a job where most people don't know what I do, but I'm in charge. So... (laughs) I imagine it's just a lot of, hot. what are you doing? You're giving me nothing here. <laughs> I imagine it's just a lot of that. And I can already do that. So, um, yeah, that's what I'll say about directioning. Uh, as far as Regina King directing, I did. Uh, so I looked at the list of what she's directing. Like, oh, yeah, she okay, she did that. And I'm sure I've seen quite a bit of those things. I did get off the scandal train at some point. I got off the good doctor train, but not because I didn't like it. I just forgot about it. But so what I did get from that was I like the things that she lends her talents to. I like the projects that she picks to direct. She picks things that have diverse casts or that have black uh, black leads or female leads. And so I really like that, that she is using those talents to elevate people who who need it, you know? Um, so, and I did see, uh, the movie, but it was a long time ago. And so I can't, well, not that long ago, but I can't remember like specific things, but I liked the movie. So I think she did a great job directioning it because I liked it. (laughs) So, so yeah, she had the booms booming in it. So she had the the action action in. So (laughs) I, I, I'm guessing that she's a phenomenal director. Michelle, I I think that that you know more about directing than you're letting on because you got all those terms correct. So I see a bright future for you in the okay. director's chair. Okay, it's coming. I'm gonna just go ahead and order the chair on Amazon and just trust that the that the you know the scripts will come rolling in. <laughs> this is a brilliant plan, and I think you should absolutely follow it. I'm gonna manifest it. So I gotta place the order on Amazon right now, and it's manifested. <laughs> Do you want to sign up for the class? I'm going to teach the class. She said, I already know stuff. You're going to teach the class? (laughs) I'm going to be an adjunct professor of the class. I don't even know what those two words mean together. (laughs) But I would apparently make a great one of those too, because I came up with that term just then. So I thought of it just then. So yeah. That's amazing. Okay, cool, cool. (laughs) See, once again... Uh, we make dream makers. This is part of dream makers, Carla. You're launching company. careers. Launching yes. careers over here. We even have a jingle. Dream makers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we not only launch careers, but we also, you know, people that are already successful. We also make their dreams come true. <laughs> That's right. We have a lot of projects in the works for a lot of 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 actors who have no idea that this is coming to them and it's going to make their lives amazing. Yep. (laughs) Yep. It's true. I can't wait for us to be mentioned in all of the acceptance speeches. So, (laughs) so Tiff. I'm just dying over here. It's hilarious. (laughs) Um, So yes, one in Miami, I find it fantastic. And so, I mean, we're talking about somebody with, you know, we've obviously talked about how petite she is, but her energy is just so large and in charge. And I love it because here you are having this 
feature directorial debut and you are directing four male leads. It is a moss scene. I love that for her. I love that for us because it has to be, you know, in a, in a world that's dominated in an industry that's dominated by men, this woman who has obviously been in the industry for a long time, but not on that side of the camera takes four leads. And it's like, Hey, you know what? Yeah, this is what you're going to do. I want you here. I want you here. I want you there. I want you there. Do this, do that, do this. Here you go. No, 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 don't do that. <laughs> and I myself would be, you know, Regina also take me under your wing because it was so beautiful. It was obviously a love letter to the sixties. It was a love letter to these four characters. It was a love letter to, um, I think the obviously, honestly, the main character in this is not only friendship, but it's also soul. It's soul music. It's the soul of friendship. It's the soul of love. It's the soul of, um, of loving yourself as a black man. I am adore this film and Regina, please take me up under your wing as well with Carla and Ishelle. It's all about the dream. It's all about making the booms boom, the gaffers gaff, the second production lead, lead the production of seconds. It's all about that. <laughs> and may it's I say, of seconds. not just the, <laughs> not not just the the some the something boy grip. Yes, you can be the man grip. You can be a man grip. Yes, you can be the man grip. You can be the woman grip. You can be the anything you want grip. You can be sex. the non-binary grip if yes. you want to. I'm grieving right now to. on this podcast. Yes, yes. <laughs> absolutely. Any grip that you want to be, I support you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel that as a parent, because I can somewhat about 34% of the time get my children to listen to me, that that would equate to about maybe 62% on a film set. I think that this makes me a great candidate for the Regina King School of Directory. I think that I could be awesome at it if given the opportunity. I believe <laughs> Regina King. We have a dream to be directoring under your wing. Regina King, we want to be directoring. See, Carla already came up with the. She already came up with the jingle for us. We're ready. We're ready. Let's do this. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, honestly, though, One Night in Miami is it's such a gorgeous film. Um, I watched it. It came out in 2020. I watched it right away. Uh, it is one of those. It's a quiet film, but it's got a lot of heart. It's got a lot of beauty in it. Um, I'm so disappointed. She wasn't nominated for an Oscar for that. I, I, I'm very confused as to why, because it stood up with everything that was uh, that was nominated that year. Um, I wanted uh, Kingsley Ben Adir to actually be nominated for supporting actor because his portrayal of Malcolm X was fantastic. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, and that comes down to a lot of, it's not just interpretation of the material. It comes down to how Regina told him to, this is what you're going to do. This is how I want you to look. This is how I want you, you know, to feel. And he makes the adjustments as he, as he sees fit based off of her observations. 
it's a fantastic movie. It is. I hope that she gets to do more in the future. I'd like to see her direct more. Um, but I know she's got such a busy schedule. You know, will she have the opportunity to do so? That's the thing. It's all, it's all a timing thing. That's, I mean, when you talk about, we've talked about this, obviously, like with, um, you know, fan pod fave George Clooney, you know, doing his directing thing versus acting out in front of the camera. It's all timing. You have to be able to have the time to do so. So I don't know. Oh, should I say what my dream project is for her? Or do you want me to hold tight? Oh, you can say that. Yeah, sorry. And Ishel, you can say Oh, Ishel, tell yours and then I'll tell mine. (laughs) Well, I don't have one for her directioning, but I have one for her acting. Should I hold that? (laughs) Go go for it. It it could be all the same thing. For all I know, acting is directioning. So who, you know, who's to say I'm wrong? (laughs) No one is to say that's who. Um, but <laughs> a dream project or role I want for her. I want to see her as a true villain. Like I really want to see her lean into that. And I, she doesn't even have to have a justification for why she's a villain. I just want to see her be a real villain. And I know for a while, women, it's it's that's always a tough conversation because it's like we don't you don't want to see them as a bad person because then people are like, oh, women are bad. But I just want to see her just truly fall into a character that is a straight up villain and shouldn't have to have a single redeeming quality for me. <laughs> that's what I, that's a dream project for me. Yes. Yes. I second that. Yes. And Tiff, then what's your dream? Okay. So she doesn't have to direct it, but I won't mind if she does a directing slash acting in her own project type of deal, because we know that's like guaranteed gold for platinum status as you know an industry tastemaker right so here's what i have this is a rom-com drum with laz alonzo who plays also favor of the pod mother's milk from the boys they are star-crossed lovers maybe but they meet in an edwardian style era This could be anywhere. They could be in England. They could be in Boston. They could be in New York. They could be in Chicago. But just know it's Edwardian style. So we could see fabulous costuming, right? Lovely, fabulous costumes. He's rich. She's rich. He's a widower. She's a widow. He has a daughter of a marriageable age. She has a son of a marriageable age. But the kids don't really like each other. Guess what? parents are kind of feeling each other they're kind of feeling each other and also they're not that old huh could they get together could another baby be there (gasps) i don't know i don't know i feel like this could be box office gold or at least streaming gold i'm already ready (laughs) with my mom bugs (laughs) holla at me hulu Or give me a series. Give me a limited series. Six episodes. Hello. <laughs> we just need to add like a page on the website titled Dream Makers. And that's where all the ideas can go. People can go all I want is an executive that. producer credit. That's all I want. I think that's, I mean, I just gave you gold. I just gave <laughs> people gold. All I just want is just an executive producer credit. Yes. That's wonderful. Well, well, I actually have directed a couple of students. I actually have directed, so, you know. 
<laughs> I'm already 10,000 steps ahead. No, no, I'm not. Oh my near. God, like, Aaron. <laughs> you get it, Aaron. Just go ahead and 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 rub your 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 um uh film privilege. <laughs> um but but you know directing is like film is a director's medium is what they always say because it is it really is the director has a lot of say on what's going to happen um editors too of course because editing can make a performance seem even better than it was and it can also make a performance even seem really bad so and that kind of they meld together directors and editors i'm not saying it's the same thing so don't yell at me but sometimes directors will edit their own stuff. But yeah, a director, I think, has to know when to step in and say something, when to shape a performance and guide it in a different direction, and when to trust your actors. And I think, especially when you're when you're doing it, like with One Night in Miami, that was a stage play. So when you're taking a play and you're putting it in, in the film world, there are other obstacles there because you don't want to make it too play-like because then it turns some people off. But you also don't want to lose that intimacy of the play and the characters in the play and the direction of that. And I think she did that very, very well. Like you do not notice the directing. Like you don't, it's not overly directed. It's not overly stylized. It's not, she is letting the material and the actors, the performances, the music, even the cinematography, all of that speak for itself and tell the story. And and she has, I'm sure every, 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 her hands in every single aspect of that as any good director does. But she also, I think, trusts her actors and trusts the material enough to be like, I know you are going to give me what I want. Here's what we're looking for. And, you know, she may have had to steer the performances in different directions every now and then, but you can tell that she really does trust her actors. And I think a lot of that is, I think when actors become directors and they, you know, when they started out as actors, I think a lot of times they can, they are better directors because they have more um, empathy and they know what it's like to be an actor. They know what it's like to have to be in front of a camera and to take that on and to take on a character and become that character. And so I think a lot of times um, actors make, really terrific directors because they understand what it's like to be an actor. They understand what it's like to take that on. So they know, you know, how some actors don't want a director to be in their face all the time and telling them all the time or to making them do like a hundred billion takes. Um, and they want the director to trust the actor and they want the director to also take care of their actors. And if they're doing anything really overly emotional, be there for them as well. And um, I can only assume that she did that because it comes across with the the movie is fantastic. And it also really makes me want to see the play. So I actually would love to see her direct theater as well. I don't know if she's ever done that, but that would be a dream thing along with the, the villain thing and then Tiff's project as well. I mean, just, yeah. So, but I would like to see her directing some theater, which, you know, when you direct theater, it's a little bit different because you kind of, once you've directed it, then, the, the actors, it's basically the actor's medium and stuff. But I still think it'd be interesting to see that. And then I don't know if my panelists knew that, but no, know this. But she is working on a TV series for Netflix <laughs> called A Man in Fool. 
Um, and it's an American drama limited series starring Jeff Daniels and Diane Lane. It's written by David E. Kelly and directed by Regina King. It's based on Tom Wolfe's novel of the same name. It consists of six episodes and it'll premiere on um, Netflix. And it's the premise is business and political interests collide when Atlanta real estate mogul Charlie Crocker defends his empire from those wanting to capitalize on his sudden bankruptcy and fall from grace. So just let you know, she does have some directing stuff in the works and she has directed so much television, so much television. Um, She also directed an episode. I'm just mentioning this because it was such a great and wonderful show that was canceled all too soon, but she did direct an episode of pitch um, that Fox sadly canceled. So yes. So I want to know, because this one is simple, so so easy. Did anyone play Six Degrees of Finn? Tifted, <laughs> yes. I actually did, and I never play, but I actually did. That's why I stressed on here. It's so easy. Yes, <laughs> yes, so yes this one was easy. That's why I did it. Don't make fun of me, but I'm not okay. <laughs> Regina King was in The Leftovers with Carrie Coon, who. Recorded an audio book of Mrs. Fletcher with Finn Whitrock. Whoa! (laughs) That's a fancy one. I love that one. I don't think I've heard an audiobook one. Well, I haven't heard all of them, but I haven't heard an audiobook one. Great job. No, that's the first time. (laughs) Good one. Wow. I love that one. So, Ishelle, did you do it? I didn't, but I can do it now, but it's only because I've heard other ones that you guys have done. And so I know that that would work. Okay. Ooh, now let me not tell a lie. Hold on. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Okay. Let me tell you what I'm trying to do. I know, I'm trying to connect her to Angela Bassett um, to get over to Ryan Murphy's projects. But uh, I can't. I'm drawing a blank on what I swore they were in something together. How Stella got her group. Yeah. that's it. That's the one. I couldn't think of the name of it. <laughs> Thank you. So I did play, and Carla did too because she just helped me there. So how Stella got her group back? She's in with Angela Bassett. <laughs> Angela Bassett is in Ryan Murphy's horror stuff that I can't watch because I'll be up for three months straight. And allegedly, yes. I'm told that Finn is in some of that stuff. So. So there very you go. good. That was very so quick good. and easy for me. <laughs> yes, and I have to say, I'm very impressed that my panelists did not do the easy, simple thing of saying if Beale Street could talk. So, yes, that's right, because he was Hayward. If, yes, if he's in the talk. You I know, I clearly that. don't know what he looks like because <laughs> that's why I stressed it was so easy. Here I was, like, thinking I did something. No, you did. I like yours better than just doing the one. Oh, so. okay. <laughs> but that's why I put on there how easy it was because <laughs> I don't. And I didn't say you couldn't use it. So yeah, I don't think I've ever seen this man before because I, <laughs> I don't know what he looks like. I just watched that movie today. So, well, so you have well, seen yesterday him. and into today. But, well, no, uh, um, you have to look at at the uh, the graphic um, starring white men with dark hair and blue eyes. That maybe maybe that's what it is because I had if he was in it, I totally missed it. <laughs> But I decided I wasn't going to use that either. So I used um, Jerry Maguire and Cuba Gooding Jr. was in American Crime Story OJ, 
the OJ one, and he played OJ. And then Finn, of course, that was done by Ryan Murphy, so you could use anything. But Finn was also in um, the other one, the Giovanni Versace one, the assassination of Giovanni Versace. Right? Why am I? I just cannot speak. Anyway, that that season is so dang good. Go listen to Tiff and I talking about that series. Um, it's one of the few things of Ryan Murphy that I don't have as big of an issue with. So, especially, yeah. I thought then that was a great episode. I thought that was a really good. We did an awesome job in that one. Not to toot my own horn and toot Aaron's horn, but I agree. We did. We were fantastic. Uh, well, thank you for, for, for playing and for not. No, I thought yours, Tiff, was so awesome because it went to an audiobook. That was so great. That was wonderful. So thank you. And thank you for joining me on this episode. So we're going to go around and close out. So, Carla, where can Regina King and everybody else who's going to do the directing, teaching you, Denzel Washington, Josh Rubin, all of them. Where can they find you and Bedwetter Behead? Um, all of these very talented and brilliant people can find uh, Bedwetter Behead, in which I often sing, if you're looking for a singer as well. I didn't say a talented one. I just said a singer. Technically, it counts. You can look for Bedwetter Behead podcast wherever you find any podcast in the world. And you can find us uh, retweeting stuff on Twitter at BedwetBeheadPod. On Instagram at bed.wet.behead.pod. On other social media, look for Bedwet or Behead Podcast. Follow us there. Doesn't matter that we don't post stuff. It's a matter of solidarity. And honestly, like if you are about uplifting women, and you should be, you should just follow us, regardless of whether or not we post. Then you can find me and my thoughts and my musings and my photo stuff on instagram at carlatemis or my website carlatemis.com that's c-a-r-l-a-t-e-m-i-s.com and all those um people who want to teach me directing which i know is that it's they are out there and they're just dying to do that reach me by any of those methods and i will eventually figure out that there are notifications for me and then get back to you within a month or less (laughs) guaranteed that's a promise (laughs) I I head bobbing in my pen. <laughs> For the website. head bobbing, are we? Oh, A gosh. pen. Mm, interesting. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not judging. Thank you. Outwardly. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ishel, where can they find your amazing podcast? That is Liberty Diner Dish (laughs) that you host with Ken, that you co-host with Ken. And if they also want to reach out to you about your classes on directing. If you want to be a part of my adjunct professorship, um, you can find me at Liberty Diner Dish, uh, except on Twitter, it's at Diner Dish. And um, we will have episodes returning at some point. But like Carla said, just because we're not putting out new material doesn't mean you can't replay old material. You know, there are listeners all the time who tell me, I'm just going to keep playing this on a loop until you come out with something else. And so those are the real diehard, you know, people. <laughs> so, but new episodes are coming and they will be out under Liberty Diner Dish or the sister podcast, Pink Plate Special, which is still the same host, but different topic. Yes. And by the way, 
you know, not to sway people on which episodes to start with on either of these podcasts, but I've been a guest on both of these podcasts. For for Bedwetter Behead, I was on an ep- a Supernatural episode. That was the first one I did. And then I was also on Horror Hunks, which was a terrific, fun episode. And then I was also on the Christian Bale episode. So I'm not saying you have to start with those, but, you know, they're all great and wonderful. But if you want the real... This is good. I am directing you to listen to the episodes that Aaron is in in these podcasts. My direction to you is to listen to them. I'm already picking up stuff. Very good, Carla. Lesson one. <laughs> and then, of course, I did the Brian Kinney course on Liberty Diner Dish, where we t- t- took a deep dive into Brian Sex on Legs Kinney. Remember, you can get It's a Brian Sex on Legs Kinney thing in our Redbubble store right now. So, um, you know, I love still that. There will be listeners that have listened to Michelle's podcast and then they'll find our podcast and they'll say that quote to me. <laughs> I love that. I love that that has caught on. So I'm not trying to just toot my but I'm just saying. It kind of sounds like trying to take over my podcast, but I'm not really sure. <laughs> no, but definitely if you're a Queer as Folk fan and you're not listening to Liberty Diner Dish, what are you doing anyway? So you should be listening to them anyway. And Ishelle has done some amazing interviews too with some of the cast and the writers as well. So you definitely want to listen to those. Um, yes. And Tiff has been awesome, has also been on Bedwetter Behead. I have. I would like for you to listen to my direct ring to go to Bedwet and Behead, Bedwet or Behead, and listen to my episodes, which was a supernatural episode where they gave me the three worst characters in the history of the show then they also (laughs) did a uh what did we do we did a Menti project episode which was super duper fun and hilarious and then we also did the girls just for me a lord of the rings episode that recorded for six hours and 27 minutes that was so much fun. Aaron's face is hilarious right now. It wasn't really six hours. <laughs> <minutes. laughs> I'm like, I thought I listened to that, but <laughs> it was more like two hours and 15 minutes. But it's all good because it was awesome. <laughs> I haven't had that was a ton of fun. <laughs> it was a ton of fun. I haven't had the pleasure of being on Michelle's podcast, but I hope I can come on sometime. I don't know much about queerest folk, but I promise. I promise I will do homework. If well, we do, you can be on the sister one. We do a broader range of shows over there. Nice. So, yeah, Woo-hoo! you can come over there. I'm all about being on podcasts. I'm all about guesting on podcasts because then I don't have to start my own. So, yay. <laughs> and yeah, you know what? I mean, I'm still on the Twitters like as a part-timer. You know, I find out what's going on, like the earthquakes and stuff like that. So, yeah, at who is tip is me. Hey, I'm here still. Yes, and reach out also if you'd like Tiff to be on your podcast as well. Yes, so I promise to Tiff do is homework. a wonderful panelist. <laughs> I will do homework if you need me to. Tiff is a wonderful panelist, so definitely reach out to her if you are looking for great panelists to be on your pan your panels, your podcast panels. Yes, Aaron, you're welcome. I'm serious too. So any one of these amazing women would be great on your podcasts. 
as long as your podcast is actually a cool podcast. <laughs> yeah, just because I'm trash doesn't mean that I want to be on trash. Exactly. We don't want to yes. help you disseminate trash. Let's just call it that. <laughs> there you go. And this is Aaron. And once again, I'm not giving my Twitter handle anymore because there's no point in it. But once again, um, go follow Fergie and all her adventures in the snow, walking walls, watching horror movies. Go follow her. And um, the profile picture, again, is of my late dog Schroeder. But the account is at Schroeder and Fergs. That's S-C-H-R-O-E-D-E-R-A-N-D-F-E-R-G-S. <laughs> on TikTok. Sorry, I don't know if I said where that was. That's on TikTok. <laughs> um, be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. On TikTok. Uh, it's a fandom thing pod. I don't know why I said TikTok, but I did. Uh, <laughs> you can watch me choosing between the doing the movie versus movie thing. I am probably going to do like a hundred of those because that's my totally my jam. And I'm like, this is so much fun. Uh, but you can watch me do a couple of those. And if you have any feedback, show notes, if you would like to contact us about all these dreams that we are making come true for you, head on over to our website. It's a fandom thing Click the contact us button there. That'll shoot me an email and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. And also, if you'd like to be an interview guest as well, reach out that way too. And um, I did also just want to put myself out there. I love guesting on podcasts because I love just talking on podcasts, period. So if you want me to come on and talk about horror, love to talk about horror, especially women in horror and then analyzing horror deeper. And of course, if you ever need someone to talk about Christian Bale, I mean, you can, you know, even if you want me to talk about him walking down the street or something, I'd, that'd be very weird. But, and Carla too. Carla does a Christian Bale impression. So you can contact, you can get both of us and Christian, quote unquote Christian. <laughs> there you go. It's a deal. It's it's a great deal there. Um, but yes, if you would like to have me on, contact me that way too. I love doing this so much. Um, and then I did want to say, uh, join us this Sunday, February 19th, as we reveal the winners of our first annual Fandom Choice Awards. And once again, this was Carla's idea. Carla DM'd me and I just went, okay, I'm doing this. So <laughs> it didn't take much to get me to do this. It just took a DM. I'm pretty easy that <laughs> no comment scratch yeah like scratch that uh and then shout out again to um patreon supporter ellen for coming up with the name fandom choice awards and once again that's at 6 p.m on our youtube channel you'll get to see people dressed up in their fanciest gowns it'll be a night of fun and fanciness <laughs> don't ask me i don't know uh, and so next week, we are wrapping up Black History Month with a look at the great, amazing, she was mentioned today, Angela Bassett. So we're going to be talking about her incredible film and television career as well. And Tiff and Carla will be back and joining us will be Kimberly from Big Reputations Pod. So that should be a ton of fun. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate.